So let's look, first of all, at the parents of Samson. Mr. and Mrs. Manoah. We know his father's name was Manoah, and Mrs. Manoah will be as good as we get concerning mom. But here's what we know about them. Observations concerning Samson's parents. Observation number one. He came from a clit home that was concerned about the things of God. He came from a closely knit home that was concerned about the things of God. I would say that Samson got off to a better start than many children do in this old world. Wouldn't you agree? Both parents were concerned about the will of God and both parents were working on their marriage, it seems. Look at Judges 13 and throughout this chapter... There is an emphasis on the interaction of Mr. and Mrs. Manoah. I think it's fascinating to see how they work together concerning God's will for the child they would have, Samson. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34 and verse 3. By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established, by knowledge its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. I want you to know, brothers and sisters and friends, that the home into which Samson was born, it was way better than average. Wouldn't you all agree? It was way better than than average. If we could use New Testament terminology concerning Mr. and Mrs. Manoah, we might say that they are heirs together of the grace of life, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, because that's what husbands and wives are. And getting this message from God concerning the, the child that they would have, they were concerned about the will of God and they were close to one another. Secondly, When you look at Judges 13 concerning Mr. and Mrs. Manoah, observe this. Whenever they got the news that Samson was to be born, the first thing they did was pray. You got to find that commendable. The first thing they did was pray when they heard that they were to have a child. Don't you know it was a prayer of gratitude? And don't you know that they thanked God for the special circumstances that had attended the birth of Samson, that he was going to be special and that he was going to be a thorn in the side, a perpetual enemy of Israel's enemies. Many a child, I got to see my mom for a couple of days. Often a number of you ask about her. I always appreciate that so much. But got to see her for a couple of days. And I recall that my mom prayed for me a lot as I was growing up. Parents who are concerned about their children do just that. 
Sometimes you don't always know what's going on in your child's life, but you know the good Lord does, and you can take those matters to the Lord's throne. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Parents praying. I am sure that they began with this commitment to prayer and that it continued for some time as Samson was growing up. Aren't you? For those of us who are parents and now our children are grown, we still find ourselves often praying for them and for grandchildren and for great-grandchildren, do we not? Mr. and Mrs. Manoah, they seem to be unusually fine parents. But notice Judges 13 and verse 8 and Judges 13 verse 12. I think Christian parents today could learn an awful lot from this Old Testament couple. We need to observe this truth about Mr. and Mrs. Manoah, Samson's parents. They inquired of the Lord as to how they should raise their son and what his mission would be in life. They inquired of the Lord how they should raise their son and what his mission would be in life. Wise is a parent who thinks along that line. And they look to the Lord for guidance. The Lord says a number of things about their son and his upbringing and a number of things that they were to observe in bringing him up. We commonly call this the Nazarite vow, Numbers chapter 6. And evidently they went to great lengths to heed the word of the Lord. Fourth observation about these parents. They had their hearts broken. They had their hearts broken. Just as the Bible would state by implication that a person's strength and their weakness might be the same, the Bible says some things about parenting too. And it says that a child may grow up with the very best home environment and yet still go far astray. I think Samson would be the poster child of somebody that had a really good home and yet he often went the wrong direction. Everybody agree with that? Our young people have been studying about Joseph over the last quarter or so. Joseph, on the other hand, had a home environment that in a number of areas was far, far removed from what was ideal. Think about his brothers and that relationship. Think about the favoritism that he experienced. Think about all that he had to go through in Egypt. And yet you have one having a, a poor home environment who is a person of righteousness, exemplary character, Joseph, and you have a person that has a great home life and home environment in Samson who is, for the most part, 
a person who can't control his urges. Proverbs is a book of generally true statements. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6, is that generally true? Yes. But people make their choices, including young people as they mature. But Mr. and Mrs. Manoah, for the Old Testament times, seem to have brought Samson up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Observation number 2. Before I go to this second observation, I'll tell you what, that would make me want to pray even more that my child have a heart that would have an inclination to be soft to him and his will. Observation number two. Samson's sins. Samson's sins. Let's look at five or six. Number one. He was self-willed. Carl, a few moments ago, mentioned in the Lord's Supper meditation that sometimes he has a problem with his wants and his needs. Samson had trouble there too. And so we may as well. Just like we might have a problem with our heart, and we might have a problem with our wisdom, and we might have a problem with our strength. Samson was self-willed, obstinate, and rebellious. When you look at Judges 14, the opening verses, a woman from Timnah, Samson wants her, and they try to say, won't you think about a good Israelite girl? And he says, no, no way. Because she pleases me. Yes, that must have broken their hearts. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 7, it is said of those who shepherd God's flock, they must not be self-willed. Because self-willed people, when push comes to shove, will always do what they want instead of what the congregation needs. Samson was that kind of person who would do what he wanted instead of really what was best for the cause. Sin number two. Samson would not listen to the wise counsel of his mother and father. It is amazing to me just how much a Proverbs is the wise counsel of a father to children. To hearken, to listen to the wisdom of your father and to not disdain the counsel of one's mother. Proverbs 10.1, Proverbs 15 and verse 5. Proverbs 30 and verse 17. Just a few of the many Proverbs that talk about listening. 
A great country song from a couple of generations ago was written by Merle Haggard called Mama Tried. Mama tried to make me better, but her pleadings I denied. That leaves only me to blame. Mama tried. Surely that was the case. It was true in the life of Samson. He wouldn't listen to the wise counsel of those who loved him the most. Third, he chose poor associates. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33 A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6 Well, when you think about Samson, he had an uncanny knack for choosing bad friends, bad companions. We see it initially in Judges 14 and the woman from Timnah. He wanted her. You go to Judges 16 and you look at the opening verses of that chapter. He goes in with a harlot. Why? She pleased him and he wanted her. And then Delilah choosing a Philistine as his wife. Bad choices in areas of his life. The old statement is true. You marry a child of the devil, you're going to have a mighty hard time with your father-in-law. Samson would have to live that reality. Poor choices. Young people and older ones, too. Make it a point to associate with people who will challenge you and encourage you to love God and be a better person. There's a lot of parents that are still praying for kids and grandkids and great-grandkids because those children have now grown up and have made poor choices. Like Samson. Pray that young people and older ones too will associate with people who will encourage them and challenge them to honor God and do things that are right. Again, thinking of Samson's sins, he committed fornication. Not enough is said about sexual sin anymore. But if we let the Word of God speak premarital sex and extramarital sex, our sin. Flee youthful lust. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. Flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18. And these 
sins, extramarital sexual relations and premarital sexual relations have become so common that we don't even call them fornication anymore for the most part. Sexual temptation can be a hard area to deal with. Isn't that the truth? In the prayer of example, the Lord mentions, lead us not into temptation. And you know what? Samson sets a bad example because he sought out sexual temptation rather than avoided it. Lessons for all of us to learn. And yes, it can be an area of particular difficulty and temptation. I understand. But the Bible still talks about the importance of purity. And we should as well in our pulpits and classes and homes. Next. Samson forfeited one of his greatest blessings. He told Delilah the secret of his strength, did he not? Judges chapter 16, especially verses 17 through 20. Now he strung her along for a while, giving her a number of possible uh, causes of his great strength. But the text indicated that she hounded him so much that this strong man with the she weakness finally wore down and told her exactly what she had to hear if she was going to continue to live along with a number of her loved ones because the Philistines had threatened her. Finally, when we look at the sins of Samson, consider this. He compromised his vow. As a Nazarite, he was to touch no dead thing. He slays the lion the jawbone of the donkey that was dead. He was not to have his hair cut or shaved. He tells Delilah the secret. And his hair is shaved. You know, James 2 and verse 10 gives an interesting principle here. If one violates the law in one point, they're a law violator, period. All Samson had to do was violate what God had said he would do, and this should be part of his vow, Samson's vow, in serving the Lord. But Samson violated the vow. Finally, what Samson's sins cost him four observations. Observation number one. Samson's sins cost him his sight. Sin blinds. They gouged his eyes out after they had cut his hair. 
sin blinds. He that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11, the Christian graces. Sin blinds. Have you ever noticed how easy it is for sin to blind and how our common response as individuals is, I can take it or leave it. I can stop it at any time. Sin blinds. Ephesians 4 verse 18 blinds us by the God of this world in his ways. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4, number 2. Sin enslaves... Samson lost his freedom, his liberty. Sin caused that to happen. His eyes were gouged out, he was blind, and he is a slave to the Philistines. And think about how that should be the lowest of the low that he could have gone. A slave to the arch enemies of God's people. A slave to... The ways of idolatry. And oh, how weak a strong man has become. That brings me to a third area. Samson's sins cost him his strength. And he was weak. He knew he was. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30 speaks of people who are weak spiritually because of a failure to truly appreciate the nature of the sacrifice of Jesus in observing the Lord's Supper. This strong man was pathetically weak. Samson's sins finally cost him his life. His life. That passage was read for us just a little while ago by our brother Ivanhoe. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 Your sins have separated you and your God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. And while Samson's name is mentioned in Hebrews 11, Faith's Hall of Fame... I believe that it's mentioned more for his attitude at the end of his life than for his life as a whole. I don't want that to be true of you. May our lives as a whole reflect faith and hope and love in God and His ways. I don't want it to be true of me that at the end of my life, maybe I got it together, but my life as a whole was self-serving. Sounds an awful lot like a modern-day Samson. Do not let an area 
of strength become an area of your undoing. It may be that you're a good-hearted person, but your heart gets impure at some point like David's did. It may be you're an unusually wise and gifted person in terms of the intellect and ability. Well, think about what happened to Solomon. And it may be that you're a person of great physical or spiritual strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, Ephesians 6.10. Our sufficiency is of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. I'm glad the story of Samson is in the Bible. It tells us a lot about life, child raising. And it tells us a lot about the danger of relying on our strength in arrogance. Thank God that people who've been proud and arrogant can be forgiven. Through faith and repentance and baptism, one's sins can be washed away by the precious blood of Jesus. Have you responded to the conditions of the gospel of Christ in faith, repentance, and baptism? His love and mercy and grace have been shown at the cross. Have you responded as you ought? And for those of us who are Christians, let's make sure that our lives as a whole... Our strength, our heart, our mind, we give completely to the Lord. No holding back. Let us stand and sing.